rolling. Okay. Okay, so off the back of our last conversation, mm-hmm. let's segue into eye accessing and is eye accessing even real then? Um, yeah, so let's look at that. So eye accessing is a thing. Absolutely, mm-hmm. definitely. People move their eyes when they are doing mental processing, right? Particularly when they're uh, particularly when they're accessing something, right? I just did it then. I just call myself doing it. Particularly <laughs> when then, you know, there's there's something I wanted to get when we're searching our mind for something, especially, mm. right? That's when we start to to move our eyes a lot. And really, this is an observation that's not overly controversial. Anyone, anyone can think of a sort of Mickey Mouse cartoon where Mickey Mouse is like, mm, you know, you can see the Mickey Mouse eyes going. Mm. People have observed this for a long time. What Richard Banner and John Grinder did, the neurolinguistic programming people, um, which I prefer to refer to as neurolinguistics, but we won't get into that right now. What they did is they drew some patterns out of that about uh, being a bit more specific about what sort of processing people are doing in their head rather than just going, well, they're moving their eyes, they're processing somehow. Okay. Now they have various stories about how they come up with this, but basically the way it goes, I'm going to describe this as if you were looking at somebody. Okay. Describe the eye accessing map. And this is for people who, uh, and not watching this on video, there'll be a video version. So people watching this on video, if you're looking at me, I'm going to refer to your left and your right, not my left and my right. Okay. So when you see somebody's eyes, this is the traditional eye accessing map from NLP. When you see somebody's eyes go up and to your right, mm-hmm. right, which is my left, but your right, uh that is taken to be a sign that the the kind of processing they're doing is visual and is about remembering something mm-hmm. okay if you see the eyes go up and to the left to your left then that is visual and constructing something okay so generally speaking when the eyes are looking up that's taken to be a sign that somebody is in visual processing mode, in a visual processing mode. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I want to be, make it clear this is accessing, getting the information. Often when people are visualizing, if you ask them to visualize something, their eyes won't go up apart from in the initial access. If you say visualize a polka dot pig tap dancing on a landmine or something, right? <laughs> Like somebody might have to do some, they might have to do some visual remembered to get that, to remember what a pig's like and a landmine, all the details. They might mm-hmm. have to do some visual constructed to put it all together. But then when they actually get into the visualizing, and if they're a good visualizer, they're more likely to stare forward once mm-hmm. they put the thing together, right? Mm-hmm. And they're just keeping it in mind. What's accessing uh, something constructed? How does that work? I understand accessing something that is remembered because I, I get that it's uh, a memory. Well, but in, in a sense, you could say you're accessing something that's remembered and like you're constructing something. You're in the process of putting it together, either getting uh, it or putting uh, it together, right? Mm, mm. 
um, once you've got it and you put it together and you want it to hold the, the vision, you might put it somewhere in your visual field. Mm -hmm. Right. Something interesting because I've just done this now. Yeah. I noticed, and this will probably happen if you're speaking to somebody, at least for me right now, I constructed it and then I tried to visualize it in front of me, but you're there. So my immediate reaction was to move my entire head tilt right. it to the side and look somewhere else to see it. Yes, yes. And that is an excellent observation. Um, one of the things a lot of people don't appreciate when they are facilitating people in shifting their mind in different ways, and that person has their eyes open, mm -hmm. is you have to give people space to process. You can't be eyeballing them all the time, like as if you're in a, a regular conversation, mm -hmm. right? That's a little, that, that won't be relevant to most people listening to this podcast. For me, it's relevant because I do change work facilitation with people. And if somebody's putting together a new reality for themselves, I don't want to be there staring them in the eye going, have you got that? Have you got that? Mm. Because it's going to, it's going to mess with their processing space. Yeah. So I'll step aside. If I'm facilitating with people, I often take a shared perspective with them. So I'm not getting in their way because I don't want them in rapport with me at that point. I want them in rapport, so to speak, with their own mind made creations and what they're doing within, mm -hmm. within their, within their internal processing. Uh, but that's that's a kind of nuanced point. That's not relevant for most people in terms of everyday stuff. Um, mm. Although it is relevant in a sense, and I'll just say why. There is a somebody that I know who is within my extended family who has clearly read some book at some point that says it's really important to keep eye contact. And if you look away because you want to just process something in your head, they'll they'll literally dive in front of you again. again. <laughs> <laughs> regain eye contact right so it's a terrible strategy um most people won't do that but some people might think if they go oh it's always good to keep eye contact they they sort of like hog people's eye contact and don't let them do processing so that's not such a cool thing mm -hmm. okay that's interesting so you're suggesting to actually somebody's breaking somebody's broken eye contact with you and you're suggesting what to break out or 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 for you to break eye contact with them to let them yeah uh, feel comfortable let, to break it right just let them look look where they need to look let them do the processing they need to, yeah. to do right so mm. just then you were sort of looking off and you were like and you had your breath kind of held on the edge of a word so there's something you're about to say you were likely formulating exactly what it was going to be before you said it so you were held on the edge of it so i let you do that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, that's a useful thing. Let's carry on with this eye accessing mat, though. Yeah, yeah. We've, yeah. Got, we've got the visual field, which is up at the top. So you see somebody... What about, like, straight up? What does that mean? Does that mean anything? <clears throat> In the traditional NLP eye accessing map, it doesn't really mean anything because people tend to, and it's an interesting thing, watch people. It's very rare that people will be looking straight up, right? They usually go one side or the other, or their role from one to the other. It's very rare that people will hold an upward looking mm. position. It's kind of odd. If you actually try yeah. to do it, it's like a really odd eye position. It's not a, a comfortable eye position. Spins a little bit, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And some hypnotists use it as an uh, induction opener. 
that's a whole different topic though, so we won't go there. So we've got we've got that sort of top level. Now we've got the mid-level. So if somebody is mid-level is auditory. Mm-hmm. Okay, so to do with sounds. So somebody's looking over uh to what would be your right as you're looking at them and their left. That's auditory construct uh, that's auditory remembered. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're remembering a sound that they have heard. And if they're looking over to the to their right and your left, that is uh, auditory constructed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you say to somebody, um, you know, what's your favorite piece of music, and they they might well go over and remember it. If you said, what's you imagine your favorite piece of music being played on a kazoo, they might have to go the other way uh, once they've got the original thing. But again. <sighs> One of the pitfalls of this, if you say to somebody, what's your favorite piece of music? And they might go, oh, right. And you don't know what they're doing. Maybe they're scanning, like, I was going to say, maybe they're scanning the the colors. They might be scanning their their Spotify or something to find what their top thing is. Right. I was going to say their vinyl collection, but that would have just been (laughs) me showing my age. Um, But, you know, so people will access information. They will process through in different ways. So, But that's the traditional map. It's auditories on the midline. Remembered is when the person goes to their left or your right. Constructed is when they go to their right or your left as you're looking at them. Do you find the way that it is with visual after somebody has uh, come up with something and then they're visualizing it and they're looking straight ahead, do you find that there's some sort of a, they'll do that as well with auditory or would they keep it in the, uh, on their o- right of- side? Often with auditory, um, when people are listening, they will, you get other signs. They often tilt the head somewhat. You can, you'll often see that, like we're going, you know, mm-hmm. and and they'll they'll be slightly asymmetrical often when they're listening. Weirdly, I don't know why. Oh. Um, but again, all of this is generalizations. It doesn't mean, yeah. yeah, it doesn't mean that if you see any of this, you can guarantee any of this is going on. Yes, yeah, something something around ten percent, nine eight percent, or something like that have their. Um... Uh, these sides constructed and and remembered on opposing sides yeah and and like i'm not even convinced i don't know about percentages i don't even know how you can really solidly measure this stuff and i'll come back to that in a minute they have i read uh, recently they've uh, it's been a recent study in one or two years ago which did uh an in-depth analysis and also did a a meta-analysis of what existed so far and they came to some interesting conclusions about it statistically significant it's correct and uh, and pursuing it further but there's still the the chance that it has something to do with hemispheric um if your left hemisphere and your right hemisphere is switched over that might change that eye accessing i mean this is more likely with left-handed people excuse me a few things like this I mean, this has always been the hypothesis. And of course, you probably could now with modern brain imaging technology check this out better. But at the time that Richard Banner and John Grinder were surmising this, I think this would be a pretty hard thing to check with any kind of rigor. What they would ultimately have done is develop some intuitions across time. So you can't put percentages on intuitions. Yeah. At least I don't think that's a valid thing to do. So. I think that these can be useful. I think it often is the case. I think if you say to somebody, you know, think about hum your favorite tune in your head, in their head, what should they do? 
you know, you can, you can note things, right? But you don't need, I'll say why you don't actually need to really know any of this and still make extremely good use of eye accessing in a moment. That last two though, last two corners is when somebody is looking down and to their left, or that would be down and to your right as you're looking at them. They are said to be, if wired up as standard, um, in what's called auditory digital. Okay. Now auditory digital means basically internal dialogue. Mm -hmm. They're speaking to themselves. If they go down and to their right, which is your left, as you look at them, they are in their kinesthetic processing. This is how it's said to be. Now, um, you might say, why is there no constructed and remembered and these sorts of things? Because the first two, visual and auditory, they're to do with things that you might hear in the world and you might bring back to yourself. But your feelings, you only ever feel in your body. Some people will say, and I think it's a fair thing to say, you don't remember feelings. Mm. You either feel them or you don't. Yeah. Right? It's always happening in the present. So feelings is feelings is feelings. And the same with auditory dialogue. You don't remember talking to yourself about something. Right? You just talk to yourself in the moment. Yeah. So the, the lower two things only ever happen now. Whereas you can visualize something in the future. You can talk about something you might do in the future, but that, that talking is happening now. This is, this is the way it's said to be. Okay. I wonder if there's any parallels to draw with, again, with uh, going back to hemis hemispheres, with the left hemisphere being the, uh, usually the voice and talking mm -hmm. away and your eye accessing being on the left side, the kinesthetic feelings being on the right, uh, right side, which has more to do with the right hemisphere, having a lot more connections to the body. And similarly, constructed things, uh, I think that would be more of a right brain, right hemisphere process rather than a left one. Mm. Yeah. Um, all that stuff is possible. Mm. I tend not to think about stuff that I can't use. <laughs> <laughs> and, and none of that stuff is stuff that, uh, you know, I particularly use. I have this, this ruthlessly pragmatic bias um towards these things so anything i i can't know don't know can't use i tend not to get pulled down that uh that path so much but you may have something that you may have something to that heard it here first yeah indeed maybe you maybe you want to do a phd on that one <laughs> and i'm guessing um, uh straight down is also just it's not really related to anything again not really you know it's very rare that people look straight up or straight down there's something to do with going from side to side maybe this is a hemispheric thing maybe because good processing good thinking uses both our hemispheres you know so we're always maybe there's something to do with balancing the inputs from the hemispheres that means that we go from side to side mm -hmm. i don't know uh, for anybody for anybody listening and curious about this um we know that the opposite side of the body is controlled by uh, that opposite hemisphere. So the right hemisphere yeah. controls the left side and, and vice versa. With vision, the interesting thing is it's actually the vision is divided uh, in the field of vision is divided in half. So it's not the right eye is controlled by the left hemisphere and vice versa, but it's yeah. 
everything on the left side from the central point is for the right hemisphere and vice versa. Yes. So technically each eye is both. Yeah. Yeah. It's both, but hem yeah, hem which is interesting because the eyes do have direct nerves to the brain, I believe. <clears throat> yeah. Some people say that the eyes actually are technically a part, part of, the of brain. it. Somebody yeah. was saying this to me the other day. Uh, I'm sure it's a matter of definitions, but yeah. So it's, you know, there's interesting stuff in there. Now, how do you use this? What's the point? Traditionally in NLP, there's an idea that if you want to influence somebody, you want to match the kind of processing they're doing. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of ways, and, and it's worth backing up here and saying that one of the views of NLP is that we do all our mental processing within basically what are called representational systems. So we have a visual representation system, auditory representation system, kinesthetic, that's feelings. And we also have olfactory and gustatory, which is um, smell and taste. But our most, most of our processing is done for most things in these three big internal channels that correspond to our senses. Mm -hmm. This is a simplification because the kinesthetic system, once you go, well, what's kinesthetic? You start realizing that's a very rich system. It's much richer, actually, than auditory and visual, right? Because mm -hmm. we've got proprioception, we've got interoception, we've got temperature sensors, we've got um, texture, you know, there's, there's all sorts, there's inside-outside signals. And in a sense, evolutionarily speaking, the kinesthetic systems are older than visual and uh, auditory systems. And this relates, by the way, we may talk about this in another podcast, another area where I've got a lot of value from, and I think you have as well, is the idea of felt sense. Mm, yeah, um, massively. Which is to do with the role of, of kinesthetic or interoceptive feelings in our thought processing. Um, but that's outside the scope of this, this conversation. Would, would you include olfactory and um, as part of the kinesthetic? I mean, you, you could do in a sense, but um, I'd say they were more closely related than... Uh, than visual and uh, auditory. I mean, and mm. certainly evolutionarily speaking, I would imagine that gustatory and olfactory senses are older as well than yeah, um, than visual and auditory. And, and the way we work, by the way, the reason I mention this, evolutionarily speaking, is nature builds on itself. Mm -hmm. It adds. It's an additive process. Evolution is a kind of additive process, uh, and it keeps the stuff that works well. And often it, that stuff turns out to be useful for other things. So the sort of older, more primary stuff, often it has multiple uses. It's sort of been co-opted in a variety of different ways. So I think this is why when it comes to processing, there's some value in learning to work with felt sense. If you're looking at doing what I call personal alchemy work, self-transformation work, felt sense is a very, very valuable um, channel of feedback in order to assist your work mm -hmm. so but in nlp generally speaking there's this idea that there's these rep systems if you want to be able to influence people get good rapport with them this kind of thing you want to speak their language so to speak so if they're in visual processing you want to be do you see what i mean yeah do you get the picture <clears throat> yeah somebody says you know i'm not, not seeing my way clear to, to being able to do this or i'm not seeing how we're going to get this uh, 
thing happening and somebody then says um well i feel that if we can just get our heads together then i'm sure something will come to us you know it's like uh, there's a mismatch there. there's a mismatch yeah yeah and that can create barriers and i think there's something to that so there's two places the nlp will traditionally attend to get someone's processing their eyes are what's called their rep system predicates i.e the words they use are they using more visual words they're using more auditory are they more kinesthetic and the idea is is you hear somebody visually processing or you see them visually processing you know to communicate in that kind of um channel with them mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um i don't do any of that stuff <laughs> i just it's too it's too much left brain processing to track that and there are easier quicker heuristics for doing it which we could get into now but probably that's for another time like for example instead of listening for the the rep systems predicates you listen for the fundamental metaphors that people are using to organize their reality and you just extend those metaphors right so if somebody's saying like ah okay i just can't seem to get to grips with this that's a metaphor it's irrelevant that it's kinesthetic so instead of going that's kinesthetic so i can say well let's see if we can help you get a handle on it and i use a different kinesthetic metaphor right then yeah it should work but it can be a bit clunky if somebody says you know i just can't seem to get to grips with this um and you say okay well you know what kind of grip are you looking to get yeah Right, it, it's or, just, or, or what you said, getting a handle. I think that that's kind of in a in a similar sort of uh, semantically, it's similar. It is semantically similar, but here's the thing: you can just make it simple. It's, it makes it simpler and more fluid. If somebody says, "I can't get to grip to this, with this," and you say, well, "What kind of grip are you looking to get?" Or if you did yeah. have hold of it, how would you know? Right. So you, the idea being that you try to create an extension of the language yes, and yeah. where they are, you extend that rather than necessarily just keeping it this large category which could right. be useful but you can make it more useful if you work within very specifically with what what they're right. saying it's just easier right it, you yeah. just use the metaphor they've been using and it will logically suggest certain things right that metaphor will have a certain logic to it and you just work with the logic of the metaphor that's a lot more naturalistic than thinking oh this metaphor is in the kinesthetic system so i'm going to come up with another metaphor that's also kinesthetic is there anything useful then from the eye accessing that you can oh well um at the moment let's look at the predicates bit i'm just stick with this predicates bit for a moment i still think there is value to learning to listen and sort rep systems predicates but only because it informs you outside of consciousness and helps to enrich what you're able to be aware of and what your unconscious mind is able to use creatively but trying to do it with it in a left, left hemisphere conscious way i don't think is useful right and i just want to say this point right now the point of neurolinguistics is to train your intuitions to a higher level it's not to have you sit in a left brain space and be trying to control things in a left brain way but a lot of people do it that way right yeah so I do think there's value in the old rep system predicate stuff and learning that and playing with that and doing those exercises. But then in, in actual use, you just let go of it and let that be information for your unconscious mind. Um, but the eye accessing, this is the other way you might do it. 
Now, I don't, I don't really do that. I don't look and think this person's like in visual processing right now, so I better make sure the next thing I see is in a visual system. Okay. I will use eye accessing differently. It's just a bead on what system is this current state they're in, likely li largely dominated by. It's not even what system is. Where are their eyes? Mm -hmm. Right. If somebody's like down in their feelings or whatever, okay, maybe it's relevant that they're in their feelings. The question is, are they stuck? Are they moving? Are they cutting new ground? Are they digging their heels in where they're at? Is mm -hmm. this helping them? Is this not? That's all I need to know. How how can you tell from their eye accessing if it's if they're stuck or if they're moving? I, it's not their eye accessing I can tell from. It's all of them. Like, this is the important mm. thing to recognize about eye accessing. If you take that as some kind of pure signal, as a thing in and of itself, and you ignore everything else that's going on with the person, it will be of limited use. If you see it as part of an overall picture, you're looking at all sorts of things. You're looking at their fluidity of movement. You're looking at their breathing. You're looking at their muscle tone. You're listening to their voice tone. All of the stuff together paints a picture for you. It's not that the eyes are telling you something in absence of everything else, right? So if someone's there and they're going, I don't know, there's nothing I seem to try works out for me. You don't need to be a genius to go clearly stuck like, state. <clears throat> yeah, where this person's in a stuck state. Now you know. Would you oh, try if you see that? Would you try to move them out of the feeling then? Right. Yes. Exactly. Right. Because, because is, you see that the feeling side is not working for them. That system that they're in isn't helping them. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, often is when, there? Yeah, go on. Sorry, is there, is there, I was thinking, is there some sort of a correlation in terms of like, are certain systems better or worse for certain people? Do people that do well in one system not do well in another? Or is this like dependent on the context or the subject that they're? I think generally speaking, drawing too many generalizations about a person is unwise unless you know them well, unless you've got a reasonably big sample. So if you live with somebody, for example, you can generally start to pick patterns and make a lot more solid predictions. If you don't know somebody that well, you have a much more limited sample set to draw mm -hmm. from. So you're better off not making generalizations or too many big predictions about what this person's like or anything like that. All you really need Are to you know aware of any rules of thumb? Like, for example, I think I'm probably more a visual person, right? Yeah, I, th I think you probably are because I've watched, watched you do a lot of visual, yeah. apparently do a lot of visual processing. So would you expect me to do, to be better working in the visual field? I, I would expect you, you to be more resourceful and to be uh, able to uh -huh. come up and create more solutions and things within your mm -hmm. visual system than I would if you were in your kinesthetic system. That would be my mm -hmm. prediction, my pick for you. So that mm -hmm. might, that may inform me if like we came on a call one day and you're like, oh, and you were stuck somehow in your, your thinking. I did air quotes when I said that. I didn't even do them on screen. So <laughs> um, that wouldn't have helped anyone watching the video. So, you know, but the, the point of the matter is, it's like, well, I want to move. I would want to help you get back into your visual system. 
Yeah. Now, if we're on Zoom, I don't have the same options that I have if we're in a 3D space. Yeah. If I'm working in a 3D space, I use eye accessing stuff a lot more. I use eye movement to shift state. I will deliberately draw, like I will go and move my position in relation to somebody to pull their eyes out of the place where they're doing the, let's call it the stuck processing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right now. And if you, if you're interested in what, what processing is about, that was covered in the previous yeah, chat. Yeah. We, we talked about that. So that, you know, there are things mm -hmm. you can do. You can start to get a sense of that kind of thing. So I don't do it to match, but I do do it to sort of shift people's, um, <clears throat> I will lead eye movement to shift mm -hmm. people's state. I will also take it as a, as a clue or a cue that some new processing is going on. So we talked before in the previous conversation mm -hmm. about creating space when new processing is happening. So this is interesting. You can, you can use eye accessing to get an idea of the process that somebody is in, but also you can, you utilize it to shift them into a different process. Mm. Now, Here's a question. Can you, this is not about reading somebody, but let's say you're aware of these things. Can you yeah. intentionally, can you use this knowledge to intentionally access, I don't know, visual, if you know you're more visual or whatever it is, can you, for example, me, I'm visual. Can I look left and right to kind of get my, my cognition going about something? Would that improve yeah, my I, cognition on something? It will help. Like if you start to notice now, you're a human being, so I'm going to guess that sometimes you think I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm making a guess. It's a mind read. It's fair enough. Um, I'm going to guess that sometimes you're in a more creative frame of mind. You're more inspired. You're more, you know. And, and other times, maybe you're not like feeling your best. Things are not rolling the way you want. Mm. I've known you to experience frustration, for example, at certain points. You can become curious again as to your own process. Where do I go? Mm -hmm. You know, where are my eyes when I'm frustrated? Mm -hmm. Where am I accessing? Now, if, if you know that yourself, you'd like, ah, oh, here's my, and again, like this is a big thing with neurolinguistics is, is being interested in pattern. You'd be interested in your own patterns. Ah, when I'm frustrated, I tend to be, maybe I'm more like this, right? Mm -hmm. And then when I'm in like, that people can't see this. I have my eyes in a different position, but oh uh, yeah, you know, um, first they were down <clears throat> a little bit more, like into it. Yeah, and then they were up. Higher. You know, and, and maybe I'm a bit tense, and I'm looking down here, and I know that that's part of my part of my process for doing frustration, right? And I know that when I'm like creative and inspired, my eyes are up here or whatever. I'm making connections. I can. I'm not saying that it's going to immediately shift gears 100. percent I'm not saying it's going to put me into an immediately resourceful state of mind, but it's likely to pull me out of the unresourceful state of mind. And that's mm -hmm. always a good first step. Right? So again, this is one of the, the powerful things about, about becoming a better witness to process, whether it's your own process or the process of others, is you start to see creative options for influencing things and changing direction more. Something interesting happened to me, and I, I think I told you about this. This was a few months ago. Mm. Um, 
when I told you about it, and this was already after I witnessed this, I I saw I saw an interview with Elon Musk, and mm. it really struck me how much he was like moving his eyes up and about when he was coming up with something, or when he was when he would be in the interview when he was explaining something, and it just dawned on me. I'm, like, what if I did that more? Is that going to benefit me? Is that going to help me? And then I started doing that more. And I think when we spoke a few months ago, I told you, well, you know, I, I realized, uh, gosh, this, this is actually quite annoying because I think I'm, because I'm not looking, I'm not making eye contact like I usually do with somebody mm. because I'm doing that now instead and I'm making connections. But having been on both sides, because then afterwards I also went back to making more eye contact and I found my, I don't know what it was. It was my cognition was different. Uh, I reverted now back mm. to look, to darting around. I can say for me, I think when I'm allowing myself to just do that naturally and not trying to maintain eye contact necessarily, mm. um, I'm much better at putting things together or piecing things together or coming up with things or both creatively, but also kind of structuring or, uh, uh, putting the frameworks together in my mind. Right. And, and that makes sense. And that's a useful thing to know and a useful hack. I think eye contact, by the way, is massively overrated. Mm. And, and now I'm going to, I'm just going to qualify what I've just said. I had a client years ago who, when he was 17 years old, everything had been fine in his life up until this point. He read a magazine article that said how important eye contact was mm -hmm. in, uh, in conversation. And he became obsessed with it. Like when I saw him, he was, he was coming up to in his fifties and his whole life had been ruined by this neurosis about whether he was making correct eye contact and the right amount of eye contact and all of this kind of thing. And, and I was just thinking, wow, that's one idea has got stuck in this guy's head and made him so self-conscious. He can't act naturally. Mm -hmm. So there's this idea about eye contact. It's a good thing. I think. Eye contact, being comfortable with eye contact is an extremely good thing. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that you have to hold it all the time. It just means like, be comfortable with it. Be just like, and it's all to do with being grounded and being at ease with yourself in the presence of others. So when people go, well, a lack of eye contact, it's only if somebody's avoidant because they're uncomfortable with eye contact. Yeah. Right? If you're comfortable with eye contact, and you're not avoidant, there's no problem. Then you're free to use your eyes in a variety of different ways. It's people who are uncomfortable with eye contact and, uh, and have avoidant eye contact behaviors that are driven by threat response systems. That's problematic, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? And the, the, the solution to that isn't to go make more eye contact. It's to dissolve the fear mm -hmm. and develop groundedness so somebody can be at ease with themselves in the presence of others and then eye contact is less important eyes are dynamic things um they're not meant to be fixed in one place in strange and unnatural ways at all times i'm aware of the time and i'm aware you have a call in about five minutes don't you yes i do um well that was interesting that was insightful i don't think i have any other things i would have wanted to dig into so so basically we can't read people's minds with eyes with their eye accessing unfortunately but we can understand get an idea of their pro their, the processes that they're running the processes that they're running yeah uh and potentially also put them into or lead them into new ones right 
there's there's a lot there's a lot that is offered in terms of um information and influence that can inform there's a lot of information there that can inform you in terms of influence um and it doesn't mean it's to be all and end all but it does increase your options if you're looking to move people from one state to another yeah which which is very very relevant in so many areas of life whether you're looking to influence somebody in a sales context or something like that whether you're looking to co-create with somebody whether you're just looking to live a good life with friends and family members all sorts of things help your partner out of a stuck state she's having a difficult time or yeah help yeah cool nice okay Best Already then, I'm not going to leave this time out of nowhere. I'll leave that. Um, quick little conclusion. That was good. I thought I thought that was interesting. That was interesting. That covered it. Was Was there anything that we, anything else we could have went deeper into? That I would don't be think worth? so. <clears throat> it's more shallow than I expected, to be honest. Do you know what? The kind of funny thing is, it is shallower than you expected but it's also deeper than you expect yeah yeah exactly yeah you you can go that tidbit that it gives you an insight into people's processes processes what i i need to figure out how to say that is actually really really important i think you say it fine i think you say it in a canadian way and i say it in an english <laughs> way um as long as we're comfortable with that um i think that look Here's my thing about eye accessing. When I first got into it, I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And then I thought, actually, this doesn't necessarily seem to work well in the way it's often prescribed. Mm. But then after doing change work for years and paying more and more attention and just looking at the flow of the moment, more and more I started to make use of the information. It's so useful, yeah. You know, um, and, and that's why I say it's deeper in a sense. It's because it's like, it's a simpler thing that I do with it, but I use it so much and get so much effect from influencing on that level. It's a distinction that you made between process and content. If you have that distinction in mind and you're conscious of that and you understand that, then it becomes actually very useful. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, we didn't address the thing about, can you tell people are lying? No, you can't. <laughs> you know, you just, it doesn't work like yeah. that. You know, it doesn't mean because somebody's constructing something that it's a lie. It just yeah. means they're putting together. They might be going, well, you know, actually, did that happen or what did that happen? You know, it's just part of part of their weighing up of something. It doesn't mean they're lying. Yeah. yeah. All right.